Now this morning we're going to continue this series on the focus on the family. And this morning I want to talk about how do you, how do you learn to handle your anger at home? And just, just out of curiosity, just for kind of fun, do any of you know somebody who struggles with anger? I know nobody in here does, but anybody know anybody who does? Okay, very good. So this is applicable in those situations and learning how to deal with them. Maybe even for that once a year thing that it happens to you. But I think, to be honest, this is a pretty important issue today. Because the reality is that in any relationship, you're going to have conflict. You just are. You're going to have conflict because you're a human being. And it's just the way we're wired. You have, you have two very selfish individuals. And, and eventually, we hold on to some selfish things. And somebody disagrees with us. And all of a sudden, we get conflict. And there's frustration. And there's anger. And so while it is inevitable that your home will have conflict, what is not inevitable is that it will have combat. See, we must learn to get to a point where we can disagree without becoming disagreeable, that we can learn to argue without assassinating. In fact, I even do this, this thing with couples that are getting married. I give them rules of engagement when in an argument, things to do and things not to do. But the whole goal is to try to keep the discussion or the argument on that particular issue that you begin arguing about, not talking about Aunt Nellie or something that happened 20 years ago or two years ago, but trying to keep it on the thing that's actually happened that caused the discussion in the first place. And so we've got to learn how to disagree without becoming disagreeable. See, in every relationship, when you have conflict, you'll either have a breakdown or you'll have a breakthrough. The relationship will either be destroyed or it will be damaged because of the conflict. There will be a breakdown in communication or you'll have a breakthrough to a new level of maturity, to a new level of intimacy, to a, a new level of fellowship that you've not known before. The key, guys, says, is in how you deal, how you handle your anger. The Bible says this in Proverbs 11.29, we just saw it on the screen, that mishandled anger can cause enormous damage in relationships. It reads this way, The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing left. Again, more families and marriages are, are destroyed by anger than anything else. And so when it comes to dealing with conflict, I think everybody in the room sort of falls into two camps, right? You either will tend to be a passive person or you'll tend to be an aggressive person. And so when it comes to anger and conflict, you'll either tend to resist or you'll tend to flee given that situation. You're either a resistor or a runner. You have this tendency either to fight or you have this tendency to flee when conflict happens. And in most relationships, I guess because God has a sense of humor, he puts, he puts one of each in the relationship. That one of you tends to be more violent and the other tends to be more silent. A pastor once put it this way. He says, when God puts couples together, he often puts skunks and turtles in the same room. He goes on and says, some of you are skunks. He says, because with a skunk, you know exactly where they stand. They let you know, and when they're upset, they don't mind stinking up the whole place. They spew, and everybody knows how they feel. On the other hand, some of you are turtles, he writes. When conflict comes, you pull back into a shell. You withdraw. You become distant. You back out of the relationship. So you start asking, well, there, is there any in-between? Is there any alternative? Do we always do one of these things? And God says, yes, there is actually one extra way, one other alternative. See, at any point in your life, you're moving in one of three different directions. It's just the way we are. You're either moving against people in anger, or I mean toward people in anger, against people as you're fleeing and, and out of fear, or you're moving with people in love. There's always one of those three ways that you're moving in life. And the idea with anger control or learning to control your anger is not to eliminate anger because you just can't. 
but it's to learn how to express anger in appropriate ways where you benefit, where the person in your life benefits. Again, because anger, to be honest, is not a sin. Today we're going to be talking about this very important skill and how do we, how do we express our anger in a helpful way, in, in ways that keep it on the subject that we started talking about to begin with, in ways that we can get through the thing that caused the anger in the first place. Learning to deal with how you feel. And so this morning I want to take a look at how do you handle your anger. What do you do when you get angry? Now, as we go through this, we'll find that God gives us five things in his word. And each one, I think, is very helpful. And each one, they kind of provide a, a step system where you do one and then the other. But you could probably do them in a, in a variety of orders. But the first one is pretty much the same. And it's where we start in so many different discussions on this. It's just that we have to admit what is really there. We have to admit what God knows, what everybody else knows. We have to admit our anger. In other words, we need to stop denying it. Stop pretending that it's not there. When I'm angry, I just need to say, guys, I'm angry. And you know what that's helpful for everybody else? They go, oh, that's why you're acting that way. Okay, it helps me put a perspective on you because you're frustrated right now. In Ephesians 4, verse 25 and 26, Paul writes this. He says, stop lying to, to each other. Tell the truth. When we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. In other words, he's just saying there's a right way to get angry and there's a wrong way. There's a, an appropriate way and an inappropriate way. There's a constructive way to get angry and there's a destructive way to get angry. But he's just saying that anger itself is not the sin. I mean, even God got angry. 375 times in the Old Testament it says God gets angry. Got angry, was really mad, was furious with the people of Israel. Jesus in the New Testament got angry too. In other words, it's not a sin to get angry. In fact, if you never get angry in any relationship, it's because you're just, you're kind of ignoring what's really there. You're, you're ignoring the reality of things. There are some things, to be honest, that you ought to get angry about. Sometimes anger just means I care. Sometimes anger is the loving response. Sometimes anger says, I'm not going to stand by and watch you waste your life. When you have this idea as a Christian that we should never get angry, not only is it unreasonable, it's also unbiblical because we find that God got angry all the time. And so it's not that you get angry, and it's not how you get angry. It's what you do with that anger that makes it sinful or not. And so how do we begin to learn to get angry without sinning? He goes back to this first point. He says, well, stop lying to each other. In other words, it's wrong to deny it when you get angry. But maybe you've had some, some kind of conversation like this. You're angry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not angry. No, no, you are. No, I'm not angry. No, I can tell you're angry. I'm not angry. You know, and that volume just keeps going up. The reality is the Bible says that anger isn't necessarily a sin. But lying about it is. See, the reality is that when you're angry and you won't admit it, you're now sinning because lying is a sin. And so the starting point in anything is to admit that we're angry, to admit the anger in the first place because I can't work on it until I do. You know, with a lot of different things that we talk about, I talk about this imaginary table, and, and I talk about it in the sense that we, there's a lot of stuff that we just push down, that we don't deal with, that we just try to pretend isn't there. God, all the way through Scripture, is telling us to take those things out and to put it on this table. God already knows they're there, but we need to put them on the table so we can acknowledge they're there. And then we can begin working through it, because now they're on this table, and we can see them, we can acknowledge, hey, I have a struggle in this area, I have a problem in this area, and God can begin to do this healing thing. It's an amazing process but we have to admit it. Doctors say that the number one cause of depression is anger, that depression is often just frozen rage. It's this angry feeling stuffed down, taking its toll out on the body in the form of depression. My guess is there would be a lot of people here this morning even that maybe have been depressed or are depressed, and they keep asking the question, why am I so depressed lately? 
when they should be asking, what is it that I'm so angry about? What is it that I'm angry about that I've been stuffing down and not dealing with? Because that's the real issue. And so what am I angry about that I don't want to admit? The issue is not how to eliminate anger in your marriage, right? It's how to express it appropriately. And in order to do that, we have to begin to understand what it is that's making us angry in the first place, which just kind of leads us to the second point that God gives us. And that's this, that we've got to learn to understand and reflect before reacting. It's so important. We have, when you get angry, have you ever noticed that sometimes your mouth runs faster than your, or than your mind? I mean, sometimes you say things, and even as you're saying them, you're like, oh, no, I need that back. You know, it's going to cause problems. We're going to fight about something else now. You know, I mean, our, our mouth just goes. And so we need this, this process where we can just find a moments in time or a few moments in time just to, to catch up our minds so that we don't say those dumb things. The reality is, as you look at this, when you get angry, you need to, to put your mind in gear, God says, before you open your mouth. Because a sharp tongue is one of the quickest ways to cut your throat. I'm a, a Lions fan, so as you can imagine, they probably get angry a lot because they don't do any good half the time. But, but they had a receiver up until recently called, named Titus Young. And Titus, was really he struggled with rage. He really did. He, he hit a couple of his teammates at different times. He was suspended three different times during the course of last year. Confrontations with other players, confrontations with the coaches, all sorts of different things. Two, about a month ago, he went on two, at least two Twitter rants against the management, against the coaches, against everybody on the team. Finally, Wars welcome out, and so they cut the guy. Unfortunately, he was a really talented receiver. I mean, he would have been great but he just couldn't control his tongue. A couple days later, St. Louis Rams picked him up. And so you look at that and you say, well, he's not paying the penalty. He's not paying the price, but he did. He went from making millions of dollars a year to league minimum. He couldn't keep his mouth quiet. He, he couldn't still his, his frustration. And whenever you do that, you kind of cut your own throat. Why? Because angry words come easily. In fact, the, the, the key word in anger management is the word think. In Proverbs 13, verse 16, it says, sensible people always think before they act. And so you first need to look, just need to learn to stop and just to kind of look at what's going on. Figure out what it is that you're so frustrated about. Get your mind caught up before you open your mouth. Thomas Jefferson once said this, if you're angry, count to ten. If you're still angry, count to a hundred. And you know, it works. We just need to figure out a way to get away from the keyboard before we press send on the email or, or to get away from our phones or our iPads or iTouches or whatever before we, we press send on the text. We need to find a, enough time where we just think just a little bit before we open our mouth and we say those things that we can't take back. To be honest, when we find that time, it still works. More than anything else, you need to buy yourself some time when you get angry so you can stop, take a look back, and say, how do I really want to respond in this situation? God goes on then. He says, okay, once you've got there, now you need to learn to release your frustration, your anger appropriately. In Ephesians 4, verse 26, it says, If you become angry, and you will from time to time, don't let your anger lead you into sin. Notice again, this verse says, Is it possible to be angry without sin? There, there's a lot of things in life that happen that, that are going to arouse anger righteously. There just are. Anger is not a sin. It, it, again, it's what you do with the anger that makes it a sin or not. And so again, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to get angry. There's an there's a appropriate way and there's an inappropriate way to get angry. There's a helpful way to express your anger and there's, there's an unhelpful way to express your anger. Because when I express my anger in a hurtful way, Scripture calls that stupid. And when I express myself in a helpful way, God calls that wise. He calls it maturity. So he says, I need to learn to respond, to release my anger appropriately. And so you start asking, well, how do we do that? This might be one of the most important things I say today. God says, you confess it. You admit it, and you admit the cause. 
Again, because the whole goal is to argue about whatever caused it in the beginning. So not just that you're angry. You admit the cause. It's not just that you're upset or that you're frustrated, even though that's a descriptor, or that you're irritated or that you're insecure, even though those are descriptors. You say things more like this. I'm angry. I'm hurt when you don't pay attention to my feelings. It makes me angry. That's very specific. You can begin talking about that. Or I'm angry. I'm frustrated when you spend money that we don't have. And you can begin talking about that. Or I'm angry and it makes me feel insecure when you look at women in that way. God says we need to learn to be honest. And I know it's hard to be honest. It takes maturity to be honest about our anger and honest about the reasons for our anger in the midst of those discussions. There's a real vulnerability to that. But you need to ask yourself, is this because I'm hurt? Is this because I'm frustrated? Is this because I'm afraid of something? What is it that's causing my anger? And then you deal with it in that way. And then you repattern your mind. And maybe you do this, maybe not so much as the next step, but after the event, you look at it. In Romans 12, 2, it says this, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think we've talked about this many times, right? It's, it's the way you act is determined by the way you feel, and the way you feel is determined by the way you think, Right? And so if you want to change the way you feel and the way you act, you have to change the way you think. You're acting angry and you're feeling angry because you're thinking angry thoughts. So if you want to stop acting and feeling angry, you've got to change your perspective. You've got to change the way you're thinking. I know I shared this a couple, maybe six months ago, but when my daughter first started swimming, I grew up in kind of competitive sports, and so I'd watch her, and I'd get so frustrated. She would do a turn slow, and be like, oh, why are you doing a turn slower? Or she'd be in practice, and she wasn't getting the stroke fast enough for me. And I'd get angry, and I'd ask her afterwards, why aren't you figuring this out? And not surprisingly, two weeks after she started, she wanted to quit. Apparently, I wasn't hiding my frustration well enough. I don't know. And so I figured out at that point when she said it to me, she's going to quit swimming if I don't figure this out. And so I really thought about it. I said, you know, I'm making this all about me. It's about her. And somehow I was able to switch my perspective of being frustrated, just being excited about whatever she was doing. You know what? She loves swimming today because I'm not nagging her anymore about dumb stuff. I don't even know what she's doing. I didn't grow up swimming, so I was criticizing stuff I didn't even understand in the first place. And when I began to understand this is all about me and not about my daughter, I could switch my perspective with her and I could just have fun and just rejoice when she does well and get excited about the things that she's learning and it's transformed the way she looks at swim, and it's, it's made it more fun for her. And I just say, when you change the perspective, sometimes you can take things that are totally about you and the responses of anger that come because it's totally about a struggle that you're having. By shifting the way you're looking at it, you can get rid of that anger. It's this repatterning your mind. He goes on and says, keep away from angry, short-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them. I think this is an important truth, too. The way you express your anger is always a learned response. I came across this in an article. It says, you don't get angry the way you do just because you thought it up. Somebody modeled it for you, and you learned it, and all anger is a learned response. It was modeled for you as a parent or a brother or a sister or somebody at school, maybe a bully, a book you read, movies or magazines, TV shows. He continues, he says, this is why violence on television and in the movies is such a major problem today. And is modeling wrong behavior for millions and millions of people. The entertainment world says, you got anger, pull a gun, blow up a building, stab a guy in the back, shout and swear and kick him. I'd add, write a manifesto and kill a bunch of cops. As that's going on in California. Anger is a learned response. And as a result, we have people who do these copycat crimes all over America today. Seeing things done in movies and then going to school and doing it. Again, anger is a learned thing. But... The cool part or the good part about it being a learned thing is that it can be unlearned. 
And that you don't have to stay in those patterns, those dysfunctional patterns you learned growing up, but, but that you can change. God says you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he goes to this last point, and it's just this, that we must learn to rely on his help, on Christ's help. In Romans 15.5 it says this, May God who gives patience, and that's the thing that helps us slow down enough, may the God who gives patience help you to live in complete harmony with one another, each with the attitude of Christ toward the others. It says again that if you live in complete harmony in relationships and you have the attitude of Christ, each of you, it's going to improve the relationships that you have. Each of you must put Christ into into your life and have his attitude. Somebody would put it this way, Conflict in many ways is like childbirth. There's enormous pain and it almost feels like you're going to die. But if you'll hang in there, you'll give birth to a new level of understanding, a deeper relationship, a more satisfying level of commitment and intimacy in your relationships. If you'll hang in there and go through the conflict, that, that tunnel of conflict, you can get to the other side and see God do so many amazing things. The way to intimacy is through that tunnel of conflict. It's actually dealing with these issues that you started with. It's dealing with these issues on the table. It's getting to the root causes and trying to overcome them. That's how you grow closer together. That's how you alleviate some of the arguments that you're having. You don't ever solve them by digging, put in a, putting them in a hole in the backyard because they just keep coming up. And so how does Jesus help us with our anger? He goes to those root causes. He heals the hurts. He relieves the frustration. He puts a salve over the fears. And when, you, when Jesus fills you with his love, it pushes everything out. I tell you, there are times when, when I'm angry, I, I get, get frustrated at anything. I, when I'm angry, I can get angry at anything. I mean, any, anything somebody says, but when I'm filled with God's spirit, it's amazing the things that I can deal with. It's amazing the things that, that, that just nothing irritates me. It's an amazing perspective shift that allows me to deal with life in a different way where I have this ability to handle things because I'm filled with his love. You see, ultimately, anger is just a warning light saying that there's something deeper that we're not dealing with. And in the case with my daughter, I was making it all about me. It, it was an unhealthy way to view my daughter. It was an unhealthy way to view sports. I was making it all about me, and I had to deal with that so I could have fun watching my kid grow up and, and so I could have fun and not make her quit swim because she didn't want a, a crazy dad. Who does? Not me. You know. So, so the reality is, it's always a, a warning light that there's something deeper going on. How does Christ help you deal with your anger? Again, by dealing with the root problems. The Bible teaches from cover to cover that he can heal your hurts with his love. Have you been rejected, abused, misused, mistreated, unwanted, unloved? Yeah, it hurts. But Christ can take some of those past things and he can just, put, he can just wipe it away with his forgiveness. He can wipe it away with his love. He can wipe it away with his care and the hope that he gives, a blessing going forward. See, the reality is that when we're filled with his love, you can deal with life in just a different way. And he started asking, well, how do I get to that point? And it's by embracing three things. It's embracing the fact that you matter to God. I think that sometimes it's hard for us to figure that out. But you matter to him. And how do I know that? Because he sent his son Jesus to die for you on the cross. Nobody does that unless they matter. The fact that Jesus doesn't want you to go through this pain and this hurt, that he cares about what you're feeling right now. And you say, well, he lets a lot of hurt happen in my life. How do you know he cares? Because he had his son die on the cross for you, to face the punishment that you deserve to face, the pain, the, the, the torture, the mocking that you deserve to face. He had his son do it instead because he didn't want you to go through it. And the third thing is just by embracing the fact that he does all this because he loves you. That for some reason he created you to love you. That you're his kids. 
And if any of you have kids, you know you just look at them in a different way. They're important to you. You'll do anything for them. And God has done and will do anything for you. Guys, this anger issue is something that complicates our relationships so much. It creates so much damage. And God today just gives us a way forward to find a healthier way to go about it. He gives us some tools to use so that we don't keep complicating our lives. And guys, he is able. He is a God of power, a God of love, and a God of forgiveness. And all God's people said, Amen.